Hello and welcome into the 24-7 Sports College Football Recruiting Podcast. My name is Andrew Ivins, Director of Scouting for 24-7 Sports. Special episode today, my buddy Cooper Patagna is moving. I think he's currently moving today. So that means producer Lance is going to step on in. He's going to pinch hit, co-host the podcast. A lot to talk about. On today's episode, a new top 247 for the class of 2025 is out. We've also had some big, big, big commitments over the past 24 to 48 hours, depending on when you're listening to this. Demarcus Riddick, a top 247 linebacker, he flips from Georgia to Auburn. And you also had top 247 cornerback Kai Bates pledge to Brian Kelly and the Tigers. We're also going to talk a little bit about Colorado and them leaving the Pac-12 apparently for the Big 12. But before we get into all that, Lance, how we doing, buddy? What's up, Evans? I'm doing good, man. Can't complain. Can't complain. I, uh, nice Thursday morning here in New Jersey. Nice and sunny. Going to be in the, in the 90s today. Can't complain. How are you doing, first and foremost? How was your morning so far? Oh, man, I woke up this morning and did not want to go to the gym. And it was a torrential downpour outside. And I was like, I should just not go. And then I I braved the storm. And then I don't know if you ever like did a workout where it's like you don't want to do it. And then you do it. And then you just yeah, feel, feel that much time. better about yourself. So I'm feeling good. And Scrolling through social media multiple times this morning, multiple people have posted that today is Friday Junior. So I'm, I'm in good spirits. Yeah, I mean, I saw a shirt a couple of days ago that said Thursday is the new Friday, which kind of makes sense, right? Like a lot of people, obviously, who work hybrid. A lot of people, like my mom, for example, she works hybrid, so she is at home on Fridays and Mondays, as opposed to going to the office Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. And uh, Fridays are, are lighter days for us here. 24-7 sports, especially during the seasons, we, uh, you know, obviously get ready for Saturday games. So I, I definitely see that Thursday is Friday, Junior. And those workouts, man, let me tell you, when you don't want to work out but get yourself to the gym and do a workout, sometimes I even feel are the most fulfilling workouts because it's like you accomplish something greater than what you normally do when you have all that energy to go to the gym. It's like you really push yourself. Uh, so I, I'm – I completely understand what you went through this morning. Uh, <laughs> it's unfortunate that you have a downpour, which I feel like happens in Florida quite often. Could be wrong, but I feel like rain happens more often there than, than at least up here in New Jersey. But uh, I'm glad that, that you were able to get that workout. And it's important. It's important to get the body moving, get the body flowing on a nice Thursday morning. But, uh, but like you said, we have a, a 2025 Top 247 update out and we're going to run through you know some of the big talking points for this for this update now full disclosure obviously i had no part in putting together this update uh if it was cooper and andrew they'd have a nice back and forth uh, about a lot of these guys i know who they are of course but again i had no part in scouting them evaluating them grading them ranking them uh so i'm going to be throwing a lot of questions andrew's way uh, and we're going to kind of go in depth on, on who these guys are and and why they stand out in this most recent update. And and we're better to start than the quarterback position, right? They're obviously the most talked about position in really any update. And the number one quarterback in the class is Bryce Underwood uh, out of Michigan. And he, I believe, is ranked, or in the previous update, was ranked in the top six. 
uh, of this 2025 class. He's someone that has stood out uh, as the top quarterback uh, for the last little bit. Uh, and he gets a new five-star, or he becomes a new five-star, I should say. So what stood out about Bryce Underwood on the field and in camps that pushed you guys to, to move him up to that five-star status and keep him as the number one quarterback in the class? Well, I think we need to, I mean, first address this this update. You know, it's not a full makeover of our 2025 rankings. And and for those that are trying to follow along as they're commuting to work or, or doing whatever, um, obviously the cycle that's in focus right now is, is the 2024s. Those are the rising seniors. But um, offers are out. Kids are committed in the 2025 cycle. This time last year, we came out with our initial 100. We expanded to a full top 247 back in April. And then this is really kind of a touch-up before the all-important junior season. So, you know, how do we make these moves um, is a common question we get because people will like to point out that there hasn't been any football played, but there has. There's been spring football in certain states. We saw that in, in May. There's also been a ton of camps, a ton of tournaments, a ton of different events, and our network of of analysts you know we got over a dozen guys have, have been out on the road the past few months and and really with this this quote-unquote touch-up you know it gave us a chance to kind of audit and find some new individuals i think a lot of a lot of people just assume that we know who everyone is and it's just like a college operation i mean you see a school go out and offer someone uh, just randomly during the week. Well, you know, someone probably evaluated him, came across the film. So that's the same thing for us. So this is a a touch up, I think, really just with the current landscape uh, of college football. You know, the junior seasons are, are what college staffs are, are really digging into. And we always say it, it it's critical for the evaluation process. And then obviously you got the senior seasons. But um, when, when, you, when you're trying to scout these guys, the phrase comes up, a lot behind the scenes. Hey, we like them, but want to see some more. Want to see some more. Well, we're going to see more from all these guys in in, in you know August, October, September, and then we'll eventually update uh, before Thanksgiving the, the 2025 rankings again. So, just want to get that out of the way. Now, Bryce Underwood, I think you know your average recruit Nick would know that name. Uh, he's a a polarizing talent. Lance, you said it our top-ranked quarterback. He's been our top-ranked quarterback from the jump, and he moves up a few spots, and he gets that fifth star. So he's our first five-star quarterback in this cycle. And really, I you know went through all of the arms, and I think it just made the most sense to have Bryce Underwood as a five-star prospect. He's a two-year starter at Bellevue High School, 27-1 and record, has led his program to back-to-back Michigan Division One state titles has thrown for 5,500 yards, 76 touchdowns. That type of production, we love it. But when you see him in person, I had a chance to to scout him in Orlando. Alan True, our guy up um, in the Midwest, saw Bryce throw at multiple uh, seven on seven tournaments, showcase camps in, in recent months, and physically. He's impressive off the hoof, over six foot three, 205 pounds. I mean, he looks athletic in person. And what's really notable about Bryce is he's only 15 years old. And I don't think he turned 16 for a few more months. So he could technically be in the class of, of 2026. He'd be age appropriate in that class. So he's just checking off a, a ton of different boxes, big arm, 
It's impressive in person. Uh, and again, just his decision-making on Friday nights, what he's been able to do. Uh, he's a dynamic talent with his legs as well. I mean, he's he's going to sit back and, and try to pick you apart in the pocket. But if he needs to run the football, he can certainly do that. I think he had over 600 yards as a sophomore. So when we sat down, kind of went through this. We felt like, hey, let's make him the five-star, submit him as QB1 right now. And and that's kind of the reason why, why Bryce is there. Uh, again, we are big fans, have been big fans, but we feel more comfortable at this stage. And that's why uh, he's got that coveted five-star status. Yeah, and of course, over the next months and year, really, uh, so many other quarterbacks are going to be uh, pushing him for that number one spot, as well as pushing to become another five-star. Yeah, Andrew? I think we should point out too, I, to me, you know, I'm not on the scoop side of things, but interested to see what direction Bryce Underwood's recruitment goes. You know, he's not committed right now. Um, took trips in June to both LSU and Alabama. I think Tigers quarterbacks coach Joe Sloan, friend of the show, we had him on the podcast a few months ago. I think he's done an excellent job, right? And you just look at what Brian Kelly's doing here in the 2024 cycle. I mean, the possibility of them adding a, a a quarterback like Bryce Underwood in 2025. I mean, the arrow would only continue to be pointing up for the folks in Baton Rouge. And if they were to get Underwood after taking Colin Hurley in the 2024 cycle, who was a reclass from 2025, I mean, they might have one of the youngest quarterback rooms in in the country in terms of age. So uh, Underwood is, is one where, I think he has told Alan True January is when he would kind of like to make a decision. So I think if he shows up anywhere this weekend, that'll be notable. And then what games does he get to in the fall? You know, Michigan's been involved. Uh, everyone is is in, in contact, but I, I it, I'm I'm under kind of under the impression as an outsider that this might be an Alabama LSU battle. Yeah, it very well could be. And and like you said, obviously, uh, as a as someone who's from Michigan, how to assume Michigan, Michigan State are, are going to push for his commitment and, and try to make a move in his recruitment. I, I think he took a visit to Penn State as well. Obviously, those Big Ten schools are, are going to play a role. Uh, but like you said, LSU, Alabama are two schools he recently took a visit to. Um, and I do believe, based on his 24-7 sports player profile, he is slated to announce on January 9th, 2024. So making an announcement early, and obviously that'll be – big for whatever school he ends up choosing. You always want to get that quarterback, especially when you're getting the number one quarterback. You want to get them in the boat early so that they can act, obviously, as a recruiter for that 2025 class. Uh, but we go from the state of Michigan, where Underwood resides, to Ohio State, and their quarterback commit in the 2025 class, Tavian St. Clair, is someone who stock up for you and your team. So what stands out about St. Clair that's helped him rise up these rankings? over the last few updates and and really helped uh, solidify Ohio State's quarterback room for that 2025 group. Yeah, um, Tavian St. Clair, he slots up to quarterback number three for us. This is a kid that is playing his football in the Buckeye State, two-year starter, just like Bryce Underwood. Um, and what we like about Tavian is he's got an athletic build, and he can layer the football on the move, I think, way better than most of these guys in the class. So Alan True kind of raised his flag 
a few months ago after seeing Tavian St. Clair throw out an Under Armour camp in Ohio, also at the Elite 11 Regional in Ohio, said, hey, we need to get this guy up. We slid Tavian St. Clair into the top 247 at the back end after there were a few reclassifications, and then we had a chance to sit down and kind of you know give this thing a little touch-up. I-, I thought he was you know, one of my favorite quarterbacks. And that's why he rose up the board um, as a freshman, completed 55% of his passes. But here as a sophomore, uh, that number was 70%. So you saw him improve there. He's a, like I said, he, he, I, I wouldn't consider him a, a true dual threat talent, but he can move around and he is a, a shifty, dynamic athlete. I, again, I think he's good at, at, putting the ball where it needs to be on the move. Um, so someone that we definitely wanted to shoot up, he, he would have rose up the board regardless if he committed to Ohio State. I'm sure there's a lot of people are like, all right, well, he committed to the Buckeyes. Now you guys move him up. But, I mean, if you go back and, and you check the receipts, this is a guy that we were already talking highly of, wanted to get to this update to kind of shuffle it. Uh, and Tavian St. Clair, he did work out for the Buckeyes in June. Uh, Ryan Day and that staff there, Brian Hartline, all those guys quickly made a move and got him committed. So if we're looking big picture, you know, what does this mean for Ohio State? Um, We know what they already have in their quarterback room. Air Nolan, one of the most prolific passers in the 2024 cycle, he's committed. And now they got Tavian St. Clair following that up. Um, and, and, And we're big fans of Tavian St. Clair. Bryce Underwood, you know, was looking at Ohio State before Tavian St. Clair jumped in the boat. So um, I'm not saying you know, Ohio State made the decision to take St. Clair over Underwood, but you know, I think that conversation certainly came up in Columbus and, and they felt like they were ready to make a move on St. Clair. And I just want to put a hypothetical out there, right? We spent, or we have spent already, a lot of this 2024 cycle talking about Jaden Davis obviously going to Michigan and Aaron Nolan going to Ohio State, right? And how uh, they obviously were both at the Elite 11 finals. They performed next to one another and sort of foreshadowing a battle that we can see uh, in the next few years uh, in the Big Ten, obviously, between Michigan and Ohio State. How much fun would that be to not only have it in 2024, but let's say hypothetically Bryce Underwood is, ends up at Michigan and stays in state. How much fun that would also be to have it in 2025 when you'd have, obviously, Davis versus Aaron Nolan and now – Bryce Underwood versus Tavian St. Clair. So it's been a lot of fun to see this Ohio State-Michigan rivalry on the recruiting trail sort of heat back up over the last, you know, cycle or two. Uh, but to potentially get it again in 2025 w- would be a lot of fun with, uh, obviously, the number one quarterback and a quarterback right now right outside that top 32, who obviously has recently made a big jump in the top two, four, seven rankings. So there are a bunch of other names uh, to talk about. George McIntyre, uh, Hassan Longstreet, Achilles Smith, Antoine Hill, TJ Latif, whole list of others, uh, KJ Lacey committed to Texas. Are there any other guys in that list or maybe ones that I didn't mention that are standing out to you right now that have made the jump into the top two for seven or have risen in the top two for seven that you want to specifically highlight? I'll say this. I mean, it's, it's early and I feel like this time in every cycle, I'll probably say the same thing. Like, I don't know how... <laughs> It, this quarterback group doesn't look great right now. And I think that's because we haven't had the junior seasons, you know, uh, Underwood, Tavian St. Clair, both two-year starters. Most most of those quarterbacks you mentioned are one-year starters. So they don't have as big of a, a on-field resume. And that maybe that's why we're a little bit more hesitant. And 
I think we'll have a better idea of what this wave of arms looks like in, in October and November. And then obviously we'll get into all the camps and, and the elite 11 finals next year. Um, so I, just two names that, that come to mind just because I, I recently saw them throw at the future 50 event in uh, down in Bradenton last month, Achilles Smith jr. If that name sounds familiar, that's because he is Achilles Smith's son, um, former Oregon quarterback, NFL quarterback. I mean, he is six foot six wiry frame um i thought he looked good out there still a ways to go pocket passer um kind of reminds me i think like when i initially did my most recent watch i i wrote down like kind of see a little josh dobbs in him which i know some people are going to roll their eyes like all right like no that's not a great comparison but josh Dobbs is someone that won in the sec and has made a a, a living uh, bouncing around in the NFL. Didn't he start a game last season, Josh Dobbs? I think he did. Yeah, he's he's bounced around, right? Steelers, Titans. I think he started, in fact, for the Titans when either Malik Willis got hurt or got benched. Yes, I but it was yes. like a big game. It was like a you win, like a win you're in game. I think it's the Jags. I don't think they ended up winning, but uh, if I remember correctly, because obviously they didn't get to the playoffs. But uh, yeah, he he was in there for the Titans in a in a make or break game for them uh, this past season. So we got him at 62 in the rankings. That's that's technically, you know, the way we look at it. That's the back end of the second round. And then the other one, KJ Lacey, the Texas commit, um, won a state title uh, in Alabama, threw for a ton of yards, throwing to Ryan Williams, uh, the five-star wide receiver in the class of 2025. You know, he is on the smaller side and. I think Steve Sarkeesian has compared him to Bryce Underwood, which is obviously very lofty. But when you see KJ Lacey in person, which which we did at the Future 50, like they are kind of built the same. I think he is one of the top distributors of the football uh, so far that we know about here in, in the 2025 cycle. Now, he is a little physically limited. Some of our analysts and, and scouts are, are more concerned about it than I am. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I, I like him. I, those, those are the two I would highlight kind of in that next group. And then I'll throw out there Deuce Knight. Um, he is the biggest wild card of the bunch. And he has visited a bunch of a, a number of high profile schools. I, I think Notre Dame's in there um, and some others. Deuce Knight out of Mississippi. He is all of six foot five lefty. He can throw it 55 yards in the air with pads, um, but he is erratic, needs to improve the accuracy. Still, I, I think the potential payout with him could be very, very high. Basketball player, track kid, has a 41-inch vertical jump on the ledger. That 41-inch vertical, like that's like Nolan Smith numbers, and, and this is a quarterback. So Deuce Knight, another guy I just wanted to shine some light on. Yeah, there you go. Some names uh, outside of Bryce Underwood and Taven Sinclair to sort of keep an eye on as the, the cycle moves forward. What does Cooper usually say? He, he wants to throw a tag flag. That's what he calls it, right? A tag flag. Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw a tag flag. Right, if this is even the right call for a tag flag. Uh, you said uh, Sarkeesian's comparing Katie Lacey to Bryce Underwood. Do you remember Bryce Young? Oh, I'm at Bryce Young. Too okay, many I forgive you. I forgive you. You know, when I, when I, when I submitted my my story for the rankings release, I had that like exact thought. I think I actually had Bryce Young 
like in the in, in the sub headline and then because it, it, it Bryce Underwood yeah it, I mean it, it feels it, it, it feels sense. right yeah it does yeah and especially like we were just talking about Bryce Underwood so it makes sense why you said his name when I was referring to KJ Lacey because he's already on the mind so I'll forgive you I'm sure the listeners will forgive you as well uh, but I had to throw my first ever tag flag on that <laughs> one but let's move uh, to the guys protecting those quarterbacks that we just discussed and one of the faults I guess you could say or the criticisms I think might be the better word of the 2024 class is that it lacks high-end offensive tackles especially compared to what we saw in 2023 but it seems like 2025 is a little bit better maybe even a lot better than 2024 and obviously the headliner of that group is five-star and the number one player in the 2025 class right now offensive tackle David Sanders he was the first five-star in this 2025 class. Again, he is the number one player right now in this class. So what stood out or what stands out about Sanders, his game, and what he's done so far that has you guys uh, keeping him at that number one spot? Well, number one, uh, Lance, you're absolutely right. I think what the 2024 class, so again, that's the class that's going to sign here in December or or February if anyone holds out. I, I think what well, we think that there just isn't a ton of, of high-profile offensive tackles, offensive tackles that we want to stamp, that we believe in. That doesn't mean some might not emerge at some point over the next few months, but it does feel like a, a down year for that position. On the flip side, early on in the 2025 cycle, there are a lot of big athletic bodies that we like. You, you mentioned David Sanders he is everything. Uh, I mean, we preach in, in terms of, of the height, the length. Um, he's got a, a unique background swimming. He can move weight in, in the weight room. Uh, really good shot put numbers went 53 five uh, at the state meet up there in North Carolina recently. Um, so, you know, I don't know if he's going to finish number one overall, um, but we didn't see a reason to kind of move anyone off that spot just yet and 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 I, that will certainly be a storyline you know who who could possibly overtake him there were a few little different conversations but with sanders it's just going to be you know how big can he get you know we, we want to see him take that next step forward physically i think it's going to happen I've, I've spent some time around his dad who's a, a big dude as well and my my player comp for for david sanders from the jump has has been charles cross former offensive lineman at Mississippi State, now starting with the Seattle Seahawks. So if you're trying to envision what David Sanders looks like, I mean, he is he is lean and he is long and he is, he is super athletic. So he stays at the top, but it's not just him that I think we're excited about. At, at the Future 50, uh, Brandon Huffman, you know, our, our national uh, editor when it comes to recruiting, like I think he turned to me and said, man, right? Like this group and, and collection of offensive linemen is, is is really good. And I said back to him, I'm like, yeah, you could, you could pull some of these guys out and they could reclass to 2024. And I think they'd be top 100 guys for us, which is which is saying a lot. So two names definitely to highlight. Michael Fasusi, he was the alpha dog of that Under Armour Future 50 event. He's up to number 20 overall for us. This is a kid that grew up in Nigeria, played soccer. He told me he was a a striker and a goalie. I don't know if I believe striker. I think he's more of a goalie just on how big he was, but has only been playing organized football for, I think, one or two years at, at Louisville High outside of Dallas. 
he's ex, you know you would expect him to be very i don't want to use the term raw because i think like it's over overused but he's he's very green from a technical standpoint but i feel like given the background he's kind of ahead of the curve near seven foot wingspan um quick feet i i, I think he, the sky is the limit for him junior season's going to be big uh, but really, really like him. Uh, all the national powers are, are already uh, courting Michael Fasusi. So he's one I want to highlight. And then Solomon Thomas, who's a kid at Jacksonville Reigns High School. He moves up to number 22 overall for us. Um, kind of in the same mold as, as Fasusi. He was at the Future 50 event. Uh, had broke his like wrist or, or or injured his wrist a few days before. Had it all taped up, but still wanted to take some one-on-one reps. Um, powerful player. I, I think he would excel in a zone blocking scheme. Not sure if he's a a true left tackle. I think in the ideal world, you might want to play him on the right side. But he can get the job done. Um, and and he, he won a state title in the discus back in May in Florida. So those are two. And then and then really, I mean. I, I, I think when we, you know, put the finishing touches on this top two, four, seven, I, I took a step back and I said, wow, I mean, there are a lot of offensive tackles with traits, with developmental upside. And I think that's good news for, for schools around the country because 2024 lacks it. 2025 seems like the year where everyone's going to maybe be able to grab a potential uh, quote unquote franchise corner protector. Yeah, that's big. Like you said, obviously, uh, it's it's not a very deep uh, position in 2024. Seems a lot deeper in 2025. And you, know, you mentioned you couldn't see Michael Fasusi. You didn't believe him, maybe, as a striker. I think yeah. it would be quite fun to watch a 6'4", 285-pound striker uh, going up and down the, the soccer pitch. I just watched the, the U.S. women's game last night uh, against the Netherlands. Uh, they tied 1-1. Uh, but that would be that would be quite the spectacle to see, I think. Michael Vasusi. Uh, granted, I'm I'm assuming that when he was playing soccer, he probably wasn't 285 at that point. Uh, but it would certainly be a sight to see him going up and down the field. I'm sure he's probably quite good at it too. Uh, so no no hate coming from me. Uh, but obviously, you know, we love those two sport athletes, and he certainly is one, and, and certainly has a lot of uh, traits and a lot of potential to to get even better. So Andrew, let's sort of close it out on 2025. First, talk about a couple other notable risers. We talked about Michael Fasusi, obviously. Uh, talked about Tavi Sinclair before. Who are a couple other names that you specifically want to bring up that have risen up the board or have risen up the rankings? I should say in this most recent update. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw three at you, three risers that were already in the top two four seven. Then I'm gonna give you a a brand new face to the top two four seven. So Fahim Delaney. Defensive back out of the DMV. He's at Maryland's Our Lady Good Council. I love this kid's sophomore tape. Then I had a chance to see him at, at two camps, size him up in person. One of those camps was the Future 50. I think if Michael Fasusi wasn't the alpha dog, then Fahim Delaney would have been that individual. I mean, he is six foot two, 200 pounds defensive back. He can run and hit. That is his game. And what we liked in that setting, they played a little bit of seven on seven. Just his ability to anticipate where the football would be, make a play at the catch point, certainly stood out. Um, Cooper has actually compared him to uh, former five-star Jonel Aguero, 
who signed with Georgia last cycle. I think he's already making some noise there in Athens. So he's kind of a, a chess piece on the back end. I think he's probably athletic enough to maybe play in a nickel type of role, but more of a, a box safety, um, but one that can hang in one-on-one coverage, one that can match up with tight ends, whether that be in the SEC, the Big Ten, wherever you know he ends up. And he's the younger brother of Mansoor Delaney, who was a 24-7 sports freshman All-American at Virginia Tech. So you, you always talk about bloodlines. He's got it there. Uh, he's at number 27 overall. Excited about him and what he could be. Um, speaking of bloodlines, another kind of big riser, Nathaniel Marshall, a defensive lineman out of Oak Park Fenwick High School in Illinois. I think that's just right outside of, of Chicago. He is the grandson of 10-year NBA journeyman Ken Norman. Um, Going to be honest, just not a ton of – there's a lot of, a lot of big offensive tackles we like. When it comes to the defensive linemen, I think interior guys were still – kind of searching for them. And as I dug into to, uh, Nathaniel Marshall, came away super impressed. 6'4", 265 pounds. I think he's eventually going to get up to 285, 295, 4'5", uh, in the short shuttle. He can score on the hardwood as well. I mean, uh, AAU player, he can, he can attack the rim and, and dunk, but there's also clips of him hitting deep jump shots. So you love to see that. Tape checks out. He, he's a guy that can hawk down ball carriers, and he actually played a little wildcat quarterback. So you're talking about a guy that's 265 pounds, um, taking direct snaps and, and scoring in the end zone. Nathaniel this weekend is visiting Michigan and Wisconsin. So just an idea uh, of who is involved with him, and that comes courtesy uh, of Alan True. And, and then the, the last guy, Coyote Armstrong, another just jumbo athlete. Um, Got to give credit to our guys in the state of Texas, Gabe Brooks, Hudson Standish, Mike Roach. They saw Keoti Armstrong at the Texas 7-on-7 state tournament, um, and he was an instant eye catcher. I mean, he is legitimately pushing six foot six, 250 pounds. I don't think we know where he's going to play on Saturdays. You can make a case that he's a tight end. You can make a case that he's an offensive tackle. Or you could just play him on defense as a, a, a pass rushing three or, or five technique or maybe even a four eye. Um, but we believe in his size. We believe in his fluid ma- uh, movement patterns. I was watching some clips of him from a Texas A&M camp last night, and it's like the most simple of drills. Uh, you know, one of those kind of warm up drills where you got to shuffle laterally and then turn and, and take off. And Coyote is in the middle of about 20 different kids doing it. And just the way he turns and accelerates, I'm like, I, I know this isn't much, but this is is absolutely freaky. So those are those are three uh risers in the in the top two four seven. Coyote Armstrong, I, I he's at 33 overall or somewhere around there. Uh and then one new name to keep an eye on and, and, and to file away for another day. Derek Meadows, a wide receiver out of Las Vegas, Bishop Gorman. I think he caught just five passes as a sophomore. So you're probably asking yourself, how does a guy that caught five passes end up, you know, in the top 100 for 24 seven sports? Well, uh, he is a, a, he could run track in college if you wanted to Nevada state champ in the 300 meter hurdles, 37.63 in that event. That's a top 10 time nationally. So that is certainly notable. Then you toss in the fact that he's a verified six foot five and a half, 185 pounds. 
And we got some footage of him at Notre Dame's Irish Invasion camp. Lanky perimeter target, can make acrobatic catches. I, I, I think he is in line for a huge season at Bishop Gorman, which is obviously one of the top FBS uh, factories in the nation. And, and let's not forget last year, Derek Meadows. I mean, Bishop Gorman had a pair of pretty good wide receivers ahead of him. USC signee Zachariah Branch, uh, Wisconsin signee Tretch uh, Kakuna. So not a lot of balls to go around. We feel good about him rolling the dice here. I, I think he's a, he's a prospect that all these schools that want to throw the football are going to target and, and covet. Three names there rising, one name uh, to know now in the top 247 in this 2025 class. Just a quick update on the current 2025 rankings. It's exactly who you would expect at the top two. Georgia is number one. Alabama is number two. Uh, neck and neck expect them obviously to battle for those top two spots and battle for that number one spot I should say obviously as as the cycle uh, continues you know what was really crazy so as you were talking I was looking through the various conferences and seeing you know who has commits who doesn't so on and so forth so I click on the Big Ten I want to see if Rutgers had a commit brutal honesty they don't yet but uh, <laughs> one of the schools that popped up in the Big Ten when you click on it and filter out the Big Ten schools was USC. And I feel like I'm really going to have to get used to clicking on be at the Big Ten or the Pac-12 and seeing USC with the Big Ten schools and not seeing them with Pac-12 schools. That's going to be something that I think we're all going to have to get used to, if you know what I'm saying. Well, I mean, throw it all out the window because who knows what the conferences are going to look like. We're going to take a quick break. You're listening to the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. Remember that if you like what you hear, give us a five-star rating and a review. And, of course, don't forget to send in your mailbag questions uh, via that review on Apple Podcasts. We do a mailbag every Wednesday. And if you send in your question, we will try our best to make sure we answer it on the next mailbag. So, Andrew, we got through the top 20, uh, the top 247, excuse me, in the 2025 class. Uh, but we just talked about how, or I just brought up, how USC – when you click on those 2025 rankings, is now slated with the Big Ten teams as they should be because they're joining the conference in 2024. Well, last night, while you were either sleeping or awake, whatever, uh, news broke that Colorado is now set to leave the Pac-12 as well, not to join the Big Ten, but to join or to rejoin, I guess I should say, the Big 12. Now, the Pac-12 deal is still yet to be announced. If a deal is had, no one knows what it is. Uh, so teams are starting to make moves, Colorado being the first one. Just kind of give me your instant reaction to this news that the Buffs are going back to the Big 12, leaving the conference that they've been in for the last you know few decades. I don't even remember, frankly, the year that they joined the Pac-12. But uh, just give me your, your general thoughts on Colorado moving back to the conference they were once in and sort of reestablishing themselves in the Big 12. I like it. And I don't know, I've been trying to, kind of process this i i think i mean this is a recruiting podcast so this is the angle i'm i'm gonna go i think from a recruiting footprint standpoint like this makes way more sense for colorado um you're gonna have what games in in texas you're gonna have games in florida it seems like and who knows how long coach prime will be there in boulder but that's where they want to recruit. And 
you know, California, sure, yes, it, there, there's talented players that come out of there. You can say the same about the state of Utah. You can say that about Arizona. But I, I think for Colorado, it, it would make it makes just more sense more sense with that recruiting footprint in terms of like the access of players they've had in the past, um, you know, where they're kind of recruiting. So to me, I I think that move would make a ton of sense, right? You know, get, get back into your brand being in Texas. And obviously the Colorado brand has grown so much ever since prime has, has taken his, his operation and and set up shop there. But I I do think, and, and who, who knows what the schedule would look like, but, I mean, if you're playing in, in Florida, you know, once every two years or, or once every four years, like I, I think that could do some wonders for them on the recruiting trail. Yeah, not just Florida, you're playing in Texas, obviously, as well. Uh, you're journeying more into the Midwest. Um, it's just so interesting, though, with the Pac-12. They're down to – well, they're right now at 12 schools, obviously. Next season, they're – or once you at UCLA and USC leave, they're going to be down to 10. Colorado, I think, is going to join in 2024 into the Big 12. So, frankly, next season they'll be down to nine. And our Jason Shear, who covers Arizona and who has been locked in to all of this Pac-12 realignment news, tweeted last night that, you know, he said Colorado's likely to move within the next 48 hours. We knew that. He also said there's another school in the Pac-12 beyond the rumored four corners that will surprise people and is contemplating a jump. What are, what are the four four corners? What I saw that four what, what, schools are Arizona, Arizona State, Utah, and Colorado. Okay, this is the well, because if you if you look at a map, right? Let's, let's picture a map. Those four states: Arizona, Utah, Colorado. I think New Mexico is the fourth one that yeah. all come together and have like one central meeting point, right? So okay. like you could essentially okay. stand in all four states at like the same time if you go to this one point. So like, that's why they're called like four corner schools. Except I, I probably I probably sound like an idiot for for not knowing that. No, it didn't happen. I'm a big geography guy, so that's how I know. Um, but I did find that tweet so interesting because if we're taking out obviously the rumors since UCLA and USC have moved to the Big Ten or now they've moved to the Big Ten, the rumors were obviously Colorado was one of them, but that Arizona and Arizona State, Arizona and Arizona State, excuse me, could potentially be a package deal to the Big Twelve or another conference, whatever. Um, but if what Jason is saying is true, and I have no reason to believe it's not because he has just been locked in from the beginning to this realignment news, if it's one, if there's one school in the Pac-12 beyond those four that could surprise people, it makes me wonder who could it be. Now, obviously, the, the big ones are Oregon and Washington, and it remains to be seen what they end up doing. But I would think if it was Oregon or Washington, there would be rumors out that they're seriously contemplating something. And, and we haven't seen that. So it makes me think that maybe it's not Oregon. Maybe it's not Washington. Maybe it's not one of the four corner schools. Who could it be? Could it be? I, I doubt it's Cal. No offense to Cal. I doubt it's Oregon State. Again, no offense to Oregon State. They're just, their market isn't big enough. I doubt it's Washington State either. Could it potentially be Stanford making a move to the Big 12? That would certainly be something follow but it, it really is you know we, we don't know what these conferences are going to look like you know we know what they're going to look like in 2023 but it seems like even in 2024 which isn't that far away there could still be so much movement that that's yet to be decided it really is interesting to follow i just think about the travel man <laughs> <laughs> well you asked me yesterday if i was going to go out when Rutgers played 
UCLA in the Rose Bowl in 2025. And like I said, that's still to be determined. I think the travel, obviously, for players is, is torturous, in my opinion. But for fans, it's going to be kind of fun. Look, I, I've been to plenty of Big Ten schools when I was at Rutgers, and I've been to a couple since I left. Uh, and it's always fun to go to these Midwestern towns, especially me being from, you know, New Jersey. And I live, you know, 45 minutes away from the city, uh, New York City. So, you know, big city guy, look at me. But, uh, you know, it, it'll be fun to travel around, see all these different parts of the country, see all these different schools. But it's really going to be so fascinating to follow this Big 12 realignment news, or this Pac-12 and Big 12, I should say, realignment news and the dominoes that sort of come there. But Colorado is slated uh, as of 2024, I believe. Don't quote me on that, but I believe it's as of the 2024 season to be joining the Big 12. And what is what does this even do for the Pac-12? I mean, they are now – if Colorado joins in 2024, they're going to be down to nine teams. Their belief was that they were going to add San Diego State. That now seems off the table because San Diego State is staying in the Mountain West. So, like, I I, I think this could potentially be the end of the, the beginning of the end for the Pac-12. But like, if you're these other schools, you're really you're backed into a corner, and it doesn't seem like there's any way to get out. Interesting I, thing I read is if the Pac-12 went down to eight teams or what nine or whatever. Someone just, we're going to be nine with Colorado lose. All, all of this, uh, you know, like the 20, they're going to be scrambling to, to schedule out of conference games. Like in, in 2024, like as in 13 months from now. So could get some weird, <laughs> some weird matchups. Well, look, if you only have nine teams in a conference, then the most in-conference games you can play are eight. Because obviously you're not going to play yourself. So uh, that would mean they, as you were saying, have to schedule four um, out-of-conference games. And I'm sure, obviously, some are scheduled that would stay already. But there might be some that have to readjust their out-of-conference schedules uh, to facilitate all of this movement. But really interesting to follow. Um, it looks like Colorado's headed to the Big 12. It. it Remains to be seen what's going to happen with the Pac-12 and the rest of its members. If any other, if any others start to think about jumping ship or even jump ship to the Big 12, Big 10, SEC, AC, whatever it it may be. But but really interesting to follow. All right, Andrew. Before we go, there were two big commitments yesterday that we need to discuss, and let's start with what I think was the biggest, and it was sort of rumored over the last few weeks that it was going to happen. It was rumored that he was going to flip, I should say. It was it was rumored that Demarcus Riddick, uh, I think the number three linebacker in the class of 2024, he had been committed to Georgia for a while, but there were a lot of there was a lot of speculation he was going to flip to either in-state Alabama or in-state Auburn. And he decided to flip to Hugh Freeze and the Auburn Tigers. It's a huge get for Hugh Freeze, obviously in his first full cycle. Auburn sits outside the top 25 right now, but they only have 12 commitments. So as they add players, you would assume they'd move into that top 25. But just how big of a win is this for Auburn's new head coach and for the program too to to flip Demarcus Riddick from obviously an SEC rival? It's monster. And Demarcus Riddick, I, yes, they flipped him from Georgia, two-time defending national champions. But Demarcus Riddick is also a kid that Alabama was on. I think he showed up to the uh, their spring game, a day game and was personally driven to the game by, by Nick Saban and, and Nick Saban's Mercedes or, or whatever he drives. So not only are they beating Georgia, you're beating your in-state rival 
Alabama. Demarcus Riddick for us, I, I know some places they have him as a, a a five-star prospect. He's number 45 overall for us, so just outside that that territory. Number three linebacker. I, I like this kid a lot. I, I think there's a chance he can you know, rise up the board. Someone that's going to play in the All-American Bowl, so we're going to get an extensive look and extensive look at him in San Antonio at the end of the season. I mean, you pop on the tape. I mean, just just go watch the highlights. Like it's fun. Demarcus Riddick does a little bit of everything. I think the third clip on the highlight, you know, he's returning a punt and, and taking it for a touchdown. Um, he is a, a a chess piece back there. 6'2", 225 pounds is is the verified number I got on him. Play some basketball. Uh, he will rush off the edge. He can drop back into coverage. I actually have a player comp for him, which sometimes I, I struggle. Reminds me a little of Channing Tindall, former Georgia linebacker who went, I think, in the third round and, and is now with the Miami Dolphins. Uh, Riddick has some has some growth potential. I think he's a guy that's eventually going to be two, 235, 245. But I, I think you know beating those two schools, Georgia and Alabama, says says a lot. But when I take a step back, look at what Hugh Freeze has done since he's arrived. I think the defense is going to have a ton of star power, and that's kind of been the case at Auburn. And, and yeah, some of the guys in recent years that have, have made an impact have arrived via the transfer portal. But look at the 24 cycle. They got Demarcus Riddick and Joseph Phillips. Joseph Phillips, a ton of big fans behind the scenes at, at 24 7 Sports. Kind of a tweener, you know. Is he an edge player? Is he a linebacker? Uh, I, I, you got to figure it out. But you're pairing him with with Demarcus Riddick, and then go into the 2023 cycle, and how Auburn closed down the stretch. Kedrick Falk, big time defensive lineman. They flip him from Florida State. Love that kid. I, I think he's going to be awesome on the plains. Scheme versatile. Uh, can rush the passer, huge frame, was one of my favorite just kind of body types at the All-American Bowl. They flip Kay and Lee, slot corner from Ohio State. I call him a, a lunch pail defender, going to do the dirty work. He can play in the boundary. He can play in the slot. He makes plays. Uh, Tyler Scott is another guy they got late in the cycle. So uh, everyone talks about Hugh Freeze and, and that offense, but, man, I mean, the defense is shaping up to – uh, have some star power, so uh, a monster win. And I, I think Auburn right now, twenty-seven in the rankings. Is that is that correct? Twenty-seven. Yeah, just but they only have twelve commitments. So I only have twelve commitments. Good. And I think what is scary about Auburn having, I you know, I went, I was out there on the plains when they played Penn State last season. Is like they get the the fan support and they. You know, if they ask if they ask the fans, they're going to show up in in full force. And you know, Auburn puts together a decent little season here. I think they might have one of the heaviest spatulas come come flip season, right? We we've talked about seventy five percent of the top two four seven is committed. I mean, it's probably close to eighty percent at this point. Um, I think they will be one of the schools that makes a ton of noise. As we get after you know from that post Thanksgiving to right before the early signing period, I think they can make a ton of noise. Yeah, there's always that one, and there's a reason, like you said, that it can't be Auburn if they you know have a good season, take the next step, make a bowl game, especially in the Hugh Freeze's first year, show a lot of progress. 
offensively. There's no reason Auburn can't be that school that really makes some noise heading into the early signing period and is able to flip some guys, like you said, get the the spatula out and, and add to that 2024 class. Another commitment we need to discuss, Kai Bates out of the state of Florida is heading to Louisiana to play for Brian Kelly and the LSU Tigers. I think they're just outside the top 10, if I'm correct. But another big pickup for, for LSU, they've done such a good job of keeping their top talent in state. But for Kai Bates, they go out of state and get one of the top players in Florida. This is my guy, Kai Bates. Um, we had him in the top 247 when I don't think anyone else had him ranked. I think that the next closest ranking was like number 74 wide receiver in the country. But Kai Bates is someone I got exposure to early on in the camp season. He is a wide receiver turned cornerback with a verified size, uh, six one and a half, one hundred and eighty pounds. That is pretty dang accurate. He's got tentacles for arms, right? Like he is able to close and mask up throwing lanes like few others in this class. And and Lance, I said he was a wide receiver. He was thrust into action late in the season for Orlando Edgewater just because they had some injuries at cornerback. He responds by picking off five passes, I think breaking up seven more. Maybe it was four interceptions, seven pass breakups. So he's a big corner that that can cover. Now, I think the top end foot speed is going to be the question mark with him, but he can press, he can take wide receivers out of uh, out of the play so monster addition and as i was kind of you know marinating on what this means I, i'm gonna i'm gonna flat out say it I, I think lsu might have the top defensive back class in the country right now um let, let, let's go down the list I, I know i've shown a lot of praise for what alabama has committed but lsu man Deshaun McBride, top 247 safety. This is a kid that's 6'3", 200 pounds, 4'5", 3 in the 40, 36-inch vertical jump, nine interceptions last season. We love him. Jawan Johnson, a kid they essentially flipped from Colorado, high school quarterback on, on Friday nights, accounted for over 5,200 yards of offense, uh, really good track profile, anchored some 4x400 teams that placed at State's. I think in, instinct-wise, his short area quickness really jumps out. Joel Rogers, another cornerback that they have – or excuse me, another safety they have committed. He is a guy um, that plays quarterback on, on Friday night. So those are two safeties. Their two safeties are, are, are high school quarterbacks. Uh, he was a state qualifier in the 200 and the long jump. And then I think kind of the the hidden gem in this group is Andre Evans. I I, I – Raised the flag to, to Cooper multiple times about Andre. Um, so we'll see where he finishes in the rankings. But over six foot with a, a plus two-inch wingspan, 10-2 broad jump, 4-2 shuttle, 4-4-7 hand time, 40. And then he went 10-5-5 in the 100-meter dash at State. So they have five defensive backs committed. I think all five of them are really good. Um, and LSU, man. They've had eight DBs selected over the past four years, so they're averaging two defensive backs a, a draft to be selected. And I know Corey Raymond, who's now at Florida, played a large role in that, but there has not been a drop-off um, in, 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 at LSU. So, And Kai Bates said it. You know, That's one of the reasons why he picked the Tigers, just because of their track record for getting uh, perimeter defenders uh, to the league. So 
monster edition. I think we'll look back or we could potentially look back and, you know, it's like how did Kai Bates slip out of Florida, especially, you know, Florida State, Florida, Miami, you know, none of them ever really seemed to to go all in. And and we'll we'll see if we'll see who's right at the end. Yeah, we will. And look, LSU after this past season needed to upgrade their defensive background. They did so in the transfer portal last cycle, brought in guys like Dan Harris, Deuce Chestnut, uh, Zy Alexander, among many others. And now they're reloading it through the high school ranks uh, as well. So both short-term fixes as well as uh, long-term solutions there uh, in the defensive back room for Brian Kelly and the LSU Tigers. Andrew, before we wrap this up, a bunch of commitments upcoming in the next weekend or over this coming weekend, I should say. I don't know why I said it that way, but over this coming weekend, get Charles Lester, the number four corner in the country, number 38 player overall. He's announcing his commitment. One thing, obviously, to know, we talked about Colorado earlier in the show, but he took a visit to Boulder over the last few days uh, and I believe is his last visit prior to announcing his commitment. Isaiah Garcia. Uh, the number one player in the state of Utah is set to announce his decision. I believe the youths, Stanford, I think Oregon involved as well. Alex Taylor out of Greensboro, North Carolina, uh, top two four seven wide receivers. Uh, excuse me, top two four seven wide receiver is set to announce on Saturday. Garcia also is set to announce on Saturday. And Garcia's, I believe, will be on the twenty four seven Sports YouTube channel. So make sure to check that out. And then Aaron Scott on Sunday the number three cornerback in the 2024 class is set to make his decision. Seems like a Michigan-Ohio State battle for Aaron Scott. I think Oregon's in there as well, but it seems like it's either going to be the Wolverines or the Buckeyes for the Ohio product. Of these four, Andrew, is there any one or two you're really looking forward uh, to watching and seeing over the weekend? Well, Charles Lester, right? Number four cornerback for us. Um, I've been – I've been a little harsh or I was harsh last week when we talked about Colorado's recruiting efforts. And I think I prefaced it with saying like, all right, prime and, and, and the buffs have this track record for, for making a splash. And, and Charles Lester was in Boulder this week. You know, he took an official visit there in June returns here during this one week uh, open period for an unofficial visit. Uh, Florida state has been the buzz. I mean, again, I'm not on, on the scoop side, but, just hearing different things. It, it seems like a lot of people had him pegged to the Seminoles. I would be nervous with, uh, with him going out to Colorado, interested to see what he does. I mean, in theory, <laughs> Dion could have gone Travis Hunter, uh, Cormani McLean, and then Charles Lester. And like, they're all these big long corners that are, also talented wide receivers, uh, Charles Lester. That like that's all his tape is, is is wide receiver tape. So interested in that one, Isaiah Garcia, the top two four seven uh, offensive tackle out of Cornier Canyon. Um, there's a story out on twenty four seven sportscom just kind of looking at some of. I think they stole your idea, Lance, in in terms of uh, you know uh, summer slump when it came to the Power Five schools. So they they asked me and Steve Wiltfong about. Uh, some of the back end recruiting classes and and Utah was one of the, one of the schools mentioned, you know, just signed in the 2023 cycle, their bat, best recruiting class ever uh, after winning a Pac-12 title. Um, right now, I think they're in the 50s. So a bit surprising. Isaiah Garcia is the guy I've had circled for them. I mean, just given what Kyle Whittingham has done 
where that program's at, how they've been recruiting. Got to keep the top prospect in the state home. So uh, I think the crystal ball was on Stanford for him. Currently now it's it's foggy. So would like to see um, you know what happens there. And, and then finally, Aaron Scott, our number three corner, big fan of him. Um, he is comfortable in, in man coverage, can mirror with the hips, uh, has some length in the arms, Ohio State, Michigan, you know, we had um, Mark Pantone on a few a few months ago, just talking about how important it was for Ohio State to get the right guys from the state signed, sealed, and delivered. I, I think this is one that they definitely need to get done. So, uh, Michigan Ohio State battle, right? Um, uh, you know what? I, I'm interested to see where he ends up. Yeah, I think I think the crystal ball right now favors the Buckeyes, but again, it's never over. Till it's over, um, but you have to like your chances of at least a few days out if you're Ohio State, Ohio State to keep the uh, top two four seven product in the state of Ohio, of Ohio. But Andrew, that'll do it. Any golf? Any anything fun going on this weekend for you? I got um, no man. I I got to paint a door. White paint a paint a door. My, no, we got to paint it to match. I had to put a new door in. Um, got to paint it to match that. So no, no real big weekend plans. What about you? I'm set to play nine on Saturday, which will be fun. Um, have a little date night scheduled on Friday. Gonna go. Have you ever gone axe throwing? It's funny. I was out on the boat over the weekend that guy <laughs> with a guy who owns an axe throwing place. Really? Yeah, Prof- so profitable business. Yeah, it's it's become pretty big here. Um, a lot of a lot of axe throwing. Venues have opened up, so I'm actually going axe throwing. I've gone once before, pretty decent at it actually. Uh, but I, I am going axe throwing on Friday, uh, so that should be fun. And obviously, I'll have my eyes glued into all these various commitments, so that when Tuesday comes around or next Tuesday comes around, and Cooper's in Nashville, we will be uh, we'll be all set to talk about what broke down this past weekend. Yeah, and I'm I'm just fired up with um, fall camps here, right? I think it's an exciting time to just kind of peruse and and read different sites and it's like all right this guy's standing out this guy's got a chance to play it's it's something that i enjoy doing and you know with the week zero games i, I think a lot of teams opened up camps camp yesterday right notre dame started yeah i know yeah. fiu down here um all so those I, schools I, that are playing like you said in those week zero games are, I enjoy, are running. yeah i enjoy just getting a chance to see where guys are at and just kind of listen to the coach speak and at least for my, you know, I enjoyed it. But Greg Schiano did something Greg Schiano never does and announced the quarterback prior to the morning of the first game of the season. The Rutgers announced Gavin Wimsatt as going to be starting quarterback this year, something, again, that Greg Schiano never does. He he literally, the last few years, has waited till the morning of, frankly, even last year was the first snap to see who was going to be the starting quarterback. Uh, but he did decide to announce yesterday that Gavin Wimsatt is going to be the guy. So that gets me fired up for the season, opening up against Northwestern in front of the eyes of the nation on CBS to promote, to really get CBS on Big Ten started. Uh, the mother, the yeah. mothership. You got to call it the mothership. The mothership. Yeah, really get it started. Uh, but that'll do it uh, for this episode of the Football Recruiting Podcast. Cooper, I wish you, and I'm sure Andrew does too, well on your move. Good luck in Nashville. I'm sure you'll be listening. Uh, but for Andrew Ivins, I am Lance Glenn. Remember to give us a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts, and thanks so much for listening to 24-7 Sports for Forward Game Podcasts.